Well, welcome everybody to the very first episode of Hold On, Let Me Close My Door, a podcast about real professionals sharing real stories about what happens in today's ever-changing workplace. I'm Allison DeFlorio, and I'm the co-founder and managing partner of Exude Human Capital. And, you know, if anyone who knows me has has probably heard me say for years, I've wanted to write the book, Hold On, Let Me Close My Door, because that's how all my conversations start. So the book hasn't happened, but the podcast is real. And I am so um, excited to have with me for our first episode two amazing women um, guest and that would be Vicky Kozyshenko, Chief People Officer at Integra Chain, and Leela Alt, Vice President, Organizational Development and People Operations at Integra, Integra Chain. So welcome, ladies. I'd love for you to share a little bit about um, the company you work for, Integra Chain, and a little bit about your background. So I'm going to toss it over to Vicky. Oh, great. Thanks, Allison. Super excited to be here and uh Looking forward to the conversation. So, yeah, Integrachain, um, we're a Philly-based um, company that provides pharmaceutical manufacturers in the U.S. with data consulting and business processes platforms. And so we provide services um, both through our managed services implementation consulting and strategic and operational consulting business, as well as through some specific uh, proprietary platforms that we uh, offer to our customers. So um, we really kind of get into the middle of the commercialization and market access space with pharmaceutical companies and really help them identify how to optimize and improve um, and streamline and manage their critical business functions all the way through to executing and bringing um, the life-saving therapies to patients that they are so proud of. Wow. That's fantastic. How about a little bit about you, Vicki? Can you share a little bit about your background and human resources? Yeah, sure. Um, so you, you know, you, you said you've been wanting to write that book for a long time. You and I have talked about that in the past. And uh, I, I've been in the HR space myself for my entire career. Um, I came out of college with a hospitality degree of all things, but really a business focus and got straight into the HR world and spent a lot of time in different types of organizations from hospitality and food service to healthcare, environmental services, um, media and entertainment, and uh, landed at Integrachain about three years ago and um, really have kind of just focused on providing HR leadership and strategic um, people-focused um, uh, opportunities to organizations across industries and sectors. And for me, I just, you know, I love exploring different industries and kind of getting into um, all of the different nuance of how a business runs and, and why it does what it does. And um, so I'm I'm grateful to be where I am. Fantastic. Great. And Leela, you want to share a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, similar to Vicki, I've been in the HR space my entire career. I came out of college with a psychology bachelor's and a master's in IO psychology. So I started trending towards HR when I was in my master's and from there, just kept picking up little uh, HR tokens along the way and recruiting and benefits and consulting. And then over time, I really started to hone in on kind of the process improvement and the space that I'm in currently in HR really focuses a lot on the operations function, everything from compliance to 
process improvement, as I mentioned, and just uh, optimizing and creating efficiencies within organizations, particularly ones that are growing and scaling. Um, also using general HR knowledge and expertise along the way for all the other problems that come up uh, within HR, which is a broad breadth. But um, for me, that's where I really like to, um, you know, participate the most in HR. Fantastic. And there are never any problems in HR, right? Oh, no. You never have to close your door. Smooth sailing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So part of the reason I'm so excited to have the two of you here is not just because you are, well, for two reasons, you are in HR role, leading the function, helping to create the culture that's going to create um, inclusion and belongingness for women and for everyone within your organization. But also, as you shared in your intros, you have both worked in so many different industries. So I'm also curious as we talk today to share your experiences, what it was like being a woman moving it up in different companies and, and to share some of the p- potentially obstacles um, and, and, and some of the, the really positive things that you experienced that helped you get to where you get today. Um, because we are in, um, in March and March is Women's History Month, we're really focusing uh, today's topic around women in the workplace. And to kind of set the context for the conversation, I want to share some data from a recent study of 40,000 participants from corporate America that was done by McKinsey and in conjunction with the Lean It organization. So I think it'd be helpful for our listener to just level set about where we are in the United States um, with regards to women in the workplace. So I don't think it's any shocker that the uh, reports reveal that there is a, that women are significantly un, unre, underrepresented in leadership roles. They refer to this great breakup, and I don't know if the two of you have heard this term yet, but that's interesting. The great breakup, and that's women leading the workplace. Um, it's it's men and women leading the workplace, but predominantly women at much higher rates. Forty three percent of women report wanting to leave the workplace as opposed to 33% leaving the workplace. And some of the reasons that women state in this report that they are leading the workplace have to do with the fact that they are just as ambitious as men, but that they face these headwinds that are obstacles to their ability to advance. Um, and that they're more likely to face belittling microaggression. So this is interesting. And this is, you know, pretty fresh data from the end of last year. I think some of the other interesting stats that were shared is one in four C-suite leaders in this set are women, only one in four. And they talk about this broken rung. So if you think of the broken rung of the ladder, that's a woman's first step or anyone's first step into management. And they're saying that the 87, 87 women to every 100 men make it past that first rung. And if you add a color, that number drops to 82 out of 800 men. So what it's led to is, is men significantly outnumbering women at the managerial level. It makes it challenging to catch up. And then there's a stat that you've both probably heard. I hear and it kind of makes, it, it, it gives me pause every time I hear it. And that's that Today, here in the States, we are still at women making 85 cents per dollar for the same role that a man would hold. And there's been progress. I think there at one point it had been at 80, so now it's at 85. 
uh, but there still is opportunity to do to to move there. And some of the key areas that women identified in this study that is impacting their uh, their their desire to leave is the lack of opportunities to advance, the level of managerial support, flexibility in the workplace, um, and organizational commitment to DEIB, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belongingness, and organizational commitment to well-being. How much does the organization care about the well-being of their their um, people? And here's a fun fact that the the report shared that these factors are even more important to the next generation of women coming out from managerial positions. So all of that, I'd love to open it up to um, to the two of you to say, you know, what's it, what's it been like being a woman in the technology space that you're in now? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll jump in first, and you know, as 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 you pointed out, and as we shared in in our backgrounds, Leo and I have both worked across a lot of different industries and sectors. What's interesting for me is I, you know, I've been part of industries that were and continue to be traditionally male dominated. So, you know, technology is one of those. Hospitality is another. Um, environmental services, hundred percent. I mean, it's very unusual to, uh, you know, I was I was in a waste management organization essentially, which you know you can imagine what that's like from a day to day operating environment standpoint. Um, and what's been interesting for me stepping into the technology space with Integrachain, and I've, I've dabbled in it previously, but but really been immersed in it in the last three years is, I almost feel as if there's. There's less challenge in the technology space for women to be successful. There's just the the problem is there's less opportunity, right? So when you get into leadership roles, I find, and we are a good example, we have a number of women leaders in the organization. Um, we're, you know, very open to and interested in bringing women into the organization and and that kind of thing. But it's it's the opportunity, right? It's where, how many times do those positions come open, you know, at what levels, right? And so the population of women available, I think certainly is is a challenge when you're talking about coming out of um, college and university programs or fewer women still in technology programs in colleges and universities. And so that we just haven't caught up, I think is is kind of the biggest issue. For me, what that translates into in terms of being in this space is I have to work harder every day to talk about, think about, and bring forward women into the conversation when we talk about promotion, when we talk about inclusion, when we talk about, you know, bringing new leaders into the organization. And that's honestly, sometimes that's exhausting, right? It's, so I think that's the biggest challenge I have experienced, less so for me because I don't have a technology background per se. I've spent enough time adjacent to it. Um, you know, so I don't I don't often find myself questioned in terms of my competency or capabilities or or skill set, um, but but certainly really finding others who you know, who have the same gender characteristics as me is is harder in this space. Interesting, interesting, and that that was that's supported by some of the data in these this report that I referenced as well. The piece about working women feel as though they have to work harder to keep this issue in the forefront or to keep opportunities uh, in the forefront of organizations. Leela, 
share with us a little bit about uh, your thoughts on the question. Yeah, I would echo what Vicky said in that I've worked in some uh, tech-focused firms in the past, some kind of service-oriented and some financial services. Uh, and I feel like uh, Integritain in particular has been the most open uh, to date, where I don't know if it's a, again, it's a factor of where we are. It's 2023. We've been progressively growing in a time where there are more women you know, entering this space and with this domain expertise, but yet it still is a challenge. So for me, I've felt that this has been the most open I've seen it in my career. So that's a plus. And I've also seen a lot of strong women leaders emerge within this organization in particular. So I'm encouraged by what I see and what I've seen and experienced in the last couple of years here. But I agree. I think there's still that concept of needing to make sure we're talking about it more and being thoughtful. And that's true with diversity choices and in you know, particular this topic of women choices as we're moving ahead or hiring. Oftentimes we're moving so quickly. So that's the other thing too. It's the availability of people in the moment you need them. So if my candidate pool is who it is right now today, I don't have sometimes the luxury or we as a as a team don't have the luxury to keep searching and keep looking to have that large, diverse candidate pool. So sometimes it even starts there to kind of get people into the roles. We are we needed them yesterday. We're usually at a point where we're at such a position where as soon as we can find somebody that's got the qualifications, we're trying to pull them in. And if that initial candidate pool and pool did not include women or other individuals that we're trying to find, we sometimes can't take, well, I don't want to say can't. We sometimes don't consider whether we should stop and keep searching to pull in a candidate pool that is diverse. It's often whatever is in front of us in the moment that we posted, what we've gone out and found, and then we need to move because the hiring managers and the leaders need them yesterday. Yeah, it's it's interesting trying to find that balance between, you know, supporting the business um, in, in perhaps their diversity goals, but also supporting the business to be able to meet the needs of the business, the client demand. So along those lines, what are some of the steps you're taking as HR professionals in your organization to, to begin to address some of these, these areas that you've identified? Well, I'll, I'll start because I think Leland knows probably what I'm going to start off with because I'm super excited about it. Um, so we we are and, you know, I think this is not unfamiliar for a number of companies of our size uh, and, and scale, but we are an organization that had not formally put a significant focus on DEI until 2021. And so we formed a DEI council. We initiated some um, surveying and some research to really understand kind of where do we need to put our focus and energy. We recruited um, internally a group of individuals who were interested in joining the council. And so we now have a fully formed DEI council. One of the first programs that the council chose to initiate for 2023 is a mentorship program for women. And so We are in the pilot stage right now of um, launching this program where we are matching and literally in the middle of matching. And a couple of hours, I'll be going into a meeting where I'll be working through some of the matching process with some of my fellow council members. And uh, the intention is to really bring visibility and opportunity to women predominantly in the manager roles and mid-level roles in the organization through mentorship. 
Um, that for us is one of the best ways that we can seek to improve the not only the opportunities for women, but their voice. And I think that's something that when I when I look at organizations of our size, and we're a mid-sized organization, we have about 650 employees globally. Um, you know, we're we're uh, private private equity backed, um, so about 120-ish million or so in in top line revenue, and because of that size, we are limited in some of the resources we can employ to undertake some of the things we really should be doing in this space. But this is a fantastic way to do that because we're, you know, we're seeking out volunteers across the organization who are willing and interested to play roles of mentors. And we've got a multitude of people who would like to be mentors. So it's a a really great place for us to start. Yeah, that's fantastic. Congratulations. And no small undertaking, I'm sure. Come on to that take you from inception to where you are about to jump into a meeting this afternoon to do some matches? We, gosh, Leela, I would say we probably envisioned this uh, early 2022. We, when we started talking with um, folks about the, the council and um, uh, started talking about plans early Early to mid 2022 was the was the vision, and it took us until the end of 22 to formulate the structure for the program. And we launched in 2023 a very thoughtful, comprehensive um, plan development and execution process. So, as I said, this is a pilot. We're going to test this out in a you know portion of the organization to see how it does, and then we'll evaluate and obviously grow it so that it becomes an organizational wide opportunity. Yeah, that's fantastic. Leela, do you want to share for the people operations space kind of some of the things that you've been working on in addition to this or even elaborate more on on your will and the mentorship program? Absolutely. So I think in addition to the mentorship program, another one that comes to mind is over the past couple of years, we've made a lot of conscious decisions to improve some of our well-being and wellness offerings. And I heard you saying that as part of the study and what's cited is company support of women's well-being and just overall well-being. I mean, some of the choices we have made have not been necessarily women-specific. However, there have been some conscious decisions and investment, you know, dollars invested in enhancing our benefit offerings. So is it 2022, Vicki? Yeah, 2022 benefits. So in 2021, late 2021, we made the decision to upgrade our benefit offerings to include fertility treatment at essentially like all realms of fertility treatment, not just a tier one. Um, We've made other decisions to add a mental health HRA at that same time. So for individuals who needed, you know, assistance in obtaining mental health resources, we had, you know, outlets for that, but the cost can oftentimes be um, expensive. So we enhanced a mental health HRA that we added to our benefit offerings that allowed for not just employees, but um, individuals in their direct family to seek any mental health guidance they might need or adjacent services. Um, we've also improved recently this year in our 2023 benefits, we've added a lifestyle spending account, which focuses on whole being wellness. So you can take in exercise courses or things that are outside, you know, financial planning or things that might enhance an individual's ability to, you know, focus on themselves and make themselves feel more well-rounded and so they can engage at work without worrying about certain aspects or the cost of aspects related to those things. So for me, again, I think whether that was all consciously focused on women, I wouldn't say all of it. 
However, it's a family approach. It's a wellness approach. And the individuals that may want to seek access to that could be women who have maybe not felt as supported previously in other organizations, you know, where wellness maybe wasn't as featured. So that's, for me, an area that I think we've made great strides and in, in invested real dollars in making sure employees have access to opinion. That's fantastic. You guys make it. I mean, what you've done is is monumental. I mean, that's a lot, but in a short period of time. Uh, so kudos to you. You know, how have you seen the impact or already seen the impact of these actions that you've taken in your ability to attract and retain? I'll say talent in general, but women in particular. Hmm. Lily Dorna. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I'm, I'm pondering. So if you have an answer. Uh, well, so I'll, I'll go a little bit from the anecdotal perspective. Lila has her hands on the data more than I do when it comes to this in terms of exit surveys and um, pulse surveys. But I think what I hear, not as often as I would like, but um, what I hear is that the variability with which the diversity and variability with which we think about what our employees need is much appreciated. And so what I mean by that is I will have people say to me with some degree of regularity, I, I really appreciate that Integrachine, you know, thinks about me as a person of color, as a working parent, as a you know, entry, you know, early career individual, uh, you know, name and an alliance or an affinity, right? That that um, uh, somebody has to something, and I periodically hear that 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 we are thinking about uh, how diverse our population is in one sense and should be in another sense, and applying our the resources we have when it comes to focusing on our people appropriately. Um, so I think that's that's one way we we know we're having an impact. I think the other is I spend a lot of time with our leadership team, our executive leadership team. And I will say that over the last three years, I have absolutely heard more and more than I ever heard when I first walked in the door. Wow, I, we're doing things I never thought we would do as an organization. We are thinking about our people through lenses that, you know, we hadn't really thought about previously. And that's important and that's meaningful. And I definitely that. That's fantastic. I'd agree with that. Um, I would then also say as far as attraction of, of talent, I'd say the ability that we have to give a very encompassing offering and again, back to wellness and benefits and what we have um, and the feature of we have parental leave at a pretty competitive uh, length of time and what we present to individuals when they join our organization, we get a lot of feedback that, wow, this is better benefits than I had at bigger companies, or we get no feedback at all, which, as you might know, is usually the cardinal of, of something positive where most people will complain or negotiate or request something else upon entry. Almost never. I don't know, Vicki, if you would agree, but I almost never hear negotiation for more time off, more parental leave, more uh, benefits, stipend, anything to offset what they perceive as less than they previously had or had elsewhere. So to me, that feels like, wow, we're very competitive when we show up with a candidate that we want to bring in. 
I almost never hear negotiation in any of the fronts that we have related to wellness offerings or just policy in general. So to me, that's probably a strength and attraction. We show up with a very well-rounded package where there's almost no pushback or requests for something else. And then for retention, I would agree. I think we're hearing just more positivity, especially as we introduce new things. Each time we introduce something, there's usually a flood of, wow, oh, that's awesome. How do I get access to this? What do I do? Um, And I do think that we've kept our retention rate at a pretty steady pace over the last couple of years, especially as we've heard great resignation and all the, the coined phrases that we've been listening to. Our retention rate has stayed pretty steady and strong, which to me is a consistent Consistency is, is best to my, you know, we don't see spikes. We don't see things we don't expect. Knock on wood. So to me, that means we're doing the right things and offering the right things to people uh, where we want to be. So. That's awesome. You know, I suspect from uh, people listening to this are going to want to reach out to the two of you for uh, tips. If you guys are okay, I think we may need to include your contact info um, at the end of this recording of, uh, I don't want to bombard you with questions, but I think what you've shared in, in this short period of time uh, will be really I- inspirational to other HR professionals or business leaders on that are listening. Yeah, happy to do that. And I, I mean, you know, are obviously in the middle of this conversation, not the end. But one thing I will say is I feel a really strong sense of responsibility to the HR community and to women leaders to ensure that we are all sharing our stories and all sharing our experiences. Because I think that so much of the change that needs to occur, whether that is bringing more women into you know leadership roles, whether that is really um, having organizations take a broader, more holistic look at the, the populations that they have within their employment, is best done when we all learn from each other about what is going on over here or what are you having success with in your organization? What have you not had success with that I'm thinking about trying? Can I, you know, really understand a little bit more about what, you know, what you would do differently next time? So 100%. Awesome. Agreed. It's it's really about helping one another remove those barriers wherever we are. It's, It's a collective improvement that we're all looking to make. So if I can share experiences or, like you said, Vicky, pitfalls of, hey, I don't know about that. This is how it went for us. I'm happy to do that because then it just only helps other individuals and other companies and other roles succeed and grow. And, you know, they can eventually be peers or people that you want to then recruit elsewhere. Um, so therefore, it only benefits everybody to try and share the collective wisdom that we're collecting every single day um, as we face new challenges all the time. Thank you. Incredibly gracious of both of you. Uh, and you just said something, Leela, that makes me think about a next question for you. You talked about, you know, if we can share best practices for to, to, to mitigate some of the obstacles. I'd love to hear from each of you. What do you see as that key obstacle that women face in the workplace today? And I know they're worth one, but if you had to kind of hone in on one, what would you say that I, I may, let me see if I agree with this once I've said it out loud, but I'm going to say it. Um, you know, I see a lot of, you know, whether I should or shouldn't memes and TikToks and whatever that kind of focus on how women's personalities and what they bring to the table are a lot more polarized by others. So what they show up as as a person and what characteristics they display in their interactions 
tends to be, in my opinion, still judged a little bit more harshly or put into a position where you're weak or you're this. You know, the negative connotation that comes with a personality trait seems to be still more accentuated when it comes to women and how they show up. Um, and I, I speak personally because I am a little bit quieter by nature. I'm a, a little bit more pensive. I think things through. And sometimes that's been underestimated at times, or if I'm not fast enough to just say what I need to say out loud in a big meeting, it tends to be kind of perceived a different way than somebody else who may be male who is more thoughtful. You know, the, the positivity that's associated with characteristics, I think, is still a big challenge. And some women are bold and they show up and they're strong and that's their personality trait. But we've all heard sometimes that can be perceived differently too. I think there's always a sliding scale of who women should be in the workforce and what their personalities are versus male counterparts. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you there because you see it in the workplace and, you know, perfect example is just watching politics, right? You see that people speak about same behaviors, different gender and have very different commentary on that. Um, Vicky, how about you? Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I have to start by pointing out that Leela is incredibly excellent at bringing her her quieter, more pensive perspective to the table. And, um, you know, and, and this is then and what's really interesting for me is I get to I get to interact with and, and be around Leela, you know, a better part of every day, sometimes spend more time with her than I spend with my kids and my husband. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's really neat to see that, you know, that that um, approach actually really works here. Um, and I think, you know, what's interesting in, in answer to the question is I 100% agree that I think that is an obstacle that um, women face. There's a difference in perception um, where we're ranked and rated differently. Or what we bring to the table, whether that's behaviors, skills, experiences, background, um, and I think we're underestimated. Honestly, I I think the biggest challenge I see is that women continue to be maybe maybe more so, you know, in in a um, informal or a, a less documented way these days than than was the case, you know, twenty, thirty, fifty, hundred years ago, but. I think women continue to be underestimated in terms of all of the power that they have and can bring, whether that is power through marketing and, you know, and, and commercial space, whether that is power through their voices, whether that is power through their experiences. I think it's, you know, I, I am, as is Leela, a, a working parent. Um, and, you know, we talk a lot because we have both have younger kids. Um, we talk a lot about those experiences. I bring all those experiences to work, what it means to to parent, what it means to, you know, to think about the balance between family and work. And one of the things that I think sometimes does get underestimated for women is how much juggling and balancing women do um, to be able to stand sort of, if not equitably at least try and stand somewhat equally with men in the workplace and that absolutely increases the farther up the organization you go and you know i think we probably all hope at some point that there's some fantastic revelation and all of a sudden the entire world kind of creates this this equal experience for women i'm not sure that's going to happen but what i do 
think is continuing to appear um, is more and more visibility to the power and the uh, opportunity that women bring to organizations. That's fabulous. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. The more we can show up and share our voice and and will things change and, and be wholly equal? I don't have the answer to that, but we can certainly keep forging ahead. Um, in in that context, if you were to give the best piece of advice to women today in the workplace, um, what's what's that one best piece of advice that you may share as to how to keep themselves motivated, how to navigate corporate structure? What, what, what is just that best piece of advice that you would give? Lauren, so many. <laughs> I, um, I, I'm fortunate in that I, I have a good amount of opportunity to coach and, and guide um, early career women and, and um, folks in general. And one of the things that I spend a lot of time thinking about and talking about with, um, with those individuals is really what are all the things you have to think about as you enter the workforce? What are all the ways in which you, you know, have to think about your, whether it's your presence or your behaviors or your competencies and what you want to build um, in terms of a career and, and opportunity in your life. And I think that the advice that I give most often um, tends to be two things. You asked for one, I'm going to give you two. That's okay. <laughs> um, one of them is a, a healthy dose of humility will never steer you wrong. Um, and what I mean by that is there's always so much more that we don't know. There's always this opportunity to learn. There's always this opportunity to develop ourselves that if if we want to advance our careers, you know, our lives, whatever it is that we're looking to improve upon or connect with or grow into, we have to be open to that learning. We have to be humble about who we are as individuals and that we just need more learning, more knowledge, more information in order to continue to grow. So that's that's the first thing I, I tend to say more often. Um, and then the second is always keep in mind what matters to you. Um, I have had for ever since my oldest daughter was born, she's almost 11 now. I, I came back from work after that maternity leave, and I had this moment of clarity almost as soon as I stepped back in the door into my office, which was, wow, you know what matters to me right now? Family, health, and work in that order. And what I have said ever since that day to every team that I've joined, to every leader that I've worked for, to every person who's joined my team is, that's my priority. I prioritize my life that way. You have to know what's important to you. And for me, I choose family, health, and work because I know that if I put my family first and I focus on my health, the work will do well, right? So sometimes those things might shift. The order, you know, might might move around, but that's what matters to me. That may or may not be what matters to somebody else, but if you want to truly advance your position, advance your agenda, advance your interests, you have to know what matters to you. You have to have clarity about that. That may be different today than it is a year from now, five years from now, 20 years from now, but you better know because otherwise you're just 
walking down a path and you're not getting anywhere. Great advice. Thank you. Leela. No, that's that's a great one. I, I, I'll say what I dovetail from that is like, be honest with what motivates you. It's very similar to what Vicky said, and that can change over time. But it took me a while to identify what that was. You know, I kept, and it kind of goes into my second, which is, it shouldn't matter what others perceive you as in the workplace. And again, I don't know if this is uniquely me or a trait of women or whatnot, but the ability to then show up the way I think others want me to want me to be versus how I want to be has taken some time to hold in. I constantly, earlier in my career, tried to morph and change to where I thought my bosses wanted me to be or what I should look like and show up as. It's different than taking advice. There's professional advice, of course, on how you can be more polished or how you can show up better in presentations. But there was more than that. I felt like that I had to kind of combat. And over time, I was like, well, that's just not my authentic self. So that's that doesn't feel right. And then I had to stop and go, but what motivates me? I want to be authentic. I want to be transparent. I want to be able to say what I think is right or wrong. And over time, that's when I was like, all right, I need to find a place where that's more appreciated, where professionally I can grow by being what I think is my authentic self at work, giving the authentic as I see it, you know, what I think is good, bad, or indifferent. Um, and to me, that was a super important thing to learn. And I didn't learn it for a while. I was constantly kind of trying to catch up with what others said I should be or do. And over time, it didn't really make me very happy. So, you know, finding out what motivates you, being your authentic self, and just being that way, being transparent about what it is that you want, what motivates you, and then how you put that into the workplace, I think is really going to get you much further than trying to constantly change yourself to what the expectations may be, because maybe it's just not the right fit or environment or boss-employee relationships or whatever it may be, the more you try to work at that, the less you're going to advance because you're working too hard in a different direction. Yeah, I I had to jump and add something there because I think that authenticity that, that Leela points out is, is so critical and necessary is absolutely something that we, I, I think women particularly, always we always have this struggle of like how authentic can i be right how authentic can i be about what's going on in my life in my family and my you know work experience and i agree that it can it, there's probably not much more important on a day-to-day basis than understanding whether you do have the freedom and the opportunity to be your authentic self because it truly does impact your ability to be successful, your ability to advance, not so much, you know, I want to go up the ladder in your organization, but more just grow your career and get to where you ultimately, you know, want to be at, at whatever stage you want to get there. Um, and that's something actually, so I, I sorry, Allison, I, you know, I got one more for you because <laughs> I think what, what I've, what we've all been talking about here today is about how we lift each other up and help each other. That is probably, mm, I. that's the other thing I say a lot. Um, Madeline Albright is one of my all-time heroes. And one of my favorite quotes that she ever said is, there's a special place in women, who, special place in hell for women who don't help other women. And I think 
that has to be at the forefront of everything we do as women is how are we helping each other? We talked about it a little bit earlier in terms of, you know, best practices and experiences and sharing that. We as women have to help each other. We have to support each other. We have to lift each other up and we have to bring each other forward, right? Like if there's nothing more I can say I've done in my career, I want to say I've hired fantastic women. I've developed fantastic women. I've helped them grow their careers and I've seen them take on leadership roles that they absolutely deserved. Yes. Oh, go ahead, Leila. No, I was going to say that I agree wholeheartedly with that. And again, to me, that I agree is also very important. That there's something about making sure that you're helping one another, whether it's being honest with them and saying, listen, I, I need to I need to share something with you. Or if you see something that's happening that's not best for them or in their favor, it's just trying to really help other women get out of that path if there's something going on. So I'd agree there. And one last thing I'd say is, and Vicki, you'll probably know this, but I felt like one of the best compliments I ever got, aside from Vicki, who's super duper complimentary, so thank you. I always enjoy working with you. And honestly, one of the best I ever got was when Sarah, uh, our, one of our prior executive leaderships team members, pointed out something that I had done well for her and her team and shared it with the broader group. For some reason, it felt so much more empowering that she had done that than and than other individuals. If another individual on the executive leadership team had done it and they were a male, I would have felt still very honored. But I felt like she went out of her way to make sure, and that stood out to me. And ever since then, I've tried to then emulate doing the same thing. If I can talk about what somebody's done that's great, I will try to do that wherever I can in the audience. And sadly, it was one of the first times that had occurred for me. So maybe just working quietly in the background for so long, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, I did do an awesome job. And thank you, Sarah, for pointing that out. Um, so I remember it and it stuck with me too. And so between Vicki always making sure that us women are supporting one another and then seeing it happen outside of my own team, I was like, yeah, this is what we need to do. Uh-huh. I love all your comments, and I feel like that's exactly how you help women mitigate the headwinds that that report, the headwinds that, that can keep someone from advancing. Um, so I just want to thank you both so much, Vicki Kojoshenko and Leela All from Integritain, for sharing your best advice, sharing the incredible accomplishments you've had in your organization and just for spreading the word. Um, And to everyone who's listening on International Women's Day, uh, we just want you, we hope you take away some little golden nugget from today's conversation so that you can help other women continue to grow and flourish. So on behalf of everyone at Exude Human Capital, Thank you again, Vicki and Leela. And thank you everyone for joining us for today's podcast. Thank you.